You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, I am Matt Williamson. This is a Locked On NFL podcast. How is everyone this wonderful Sunday night? As has become tradition here on the Locked On NFL podcast, we are going around the league with a few of our esteemed hosts from the Locked On Network. Uh, We are brought to you by Vivid Seats. We are brought to you by MyBookie. There is all sorts of things going on, and we got two more night games to play. Hopefully you listen to this by then. Um, But we're leading off here with Locked On Browns host Jeff Lloyd. It's been about a month since I talked to you, brother. A lot has changed with the Brownies. Uh, there's just no way around it. Um, yeah. look, uh, you know, whatever led to the change, uh, to, to get six in here, um, we're not talking about, they weren't playing the best quarterback they had. We're now talking that he is probably the best offensive player they have. And it's just, it, it, it's great. It's great for the city. It's great for the fans Two, two and one through five weeks. I mean, I don't think there's anyone who would have believed this or even would have signed up for it, or at least would have signed up with it laughing like, yeah, okay, like they're signing up on buying the Brooklyn Bridge. It's just <laughs> it's it's just really good, really excited. And and to get to talk about a winner and, you know, have this guy in place in Baker Mayfield, it, it's just really, really fun times right now, Matt. Yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, let's just start there then. I mean, I had that down the list of things I wanted to talk about, but it sure looked like, I mean, the Ravens' D is one of the best in the league. I mean, I think the Jags and the Bears kind of stand alone as the best defenses in the league. But the Ravens are in that next tier for sure. And their pass rushing like it was really strong. The young left tackle had his hands full, to say the least. But Baker Mayfield doesn't doesn't rattle. Yeah, and that's the first thing that came off. And yeah, both the tackles, actually, even Chris Hubbard. Yeah. I mean, and this is one of the things I was worried about. Uh, and you know, I did not think Cleveland had much of a shot in this game. I did kind of tell the fans this was going to be like a heat check game. You know, when a guy comes up and pulls up from 35 in the NBA and shoots a three. You know, sometimes you got to see where you're at. And you're with dropping 42 and Baker's averaging over 10 points a quarter. Obviously, the offense sputtered a little bit, but this is going to happen when you're playing a great defense. Mm-hmm. And look, they were able to get some pass rush. But just this kid has no, there's just nothing that holds him back. If you are wearing an 80s number with the Daniel Fells touchdown last week, in a huge, crucial situation today, Derek Willies, you what up? You were open. You're wearing an 80s number. I'm throwing it to you. It's up to you to make the play, dude. And he did. There's just, I mean, he will take everything that's there. He, you know, he expects everybody to up their level to his and make a play. And you're starting to see that now. And you see a guy like Derek Willies, who's was a, you know, a, a absolute, it was a bonkers decision that he actually even made the final roster. But there's something there, and if you get open. Baker Mayfield's going to find you, and he's going to throw it to you. So you better make the play. And, you know, Rashard Higgins is stepping up. Hopefully that's not a big injury. But these guys, and there's just something about him, and the guy is a winner. It's just the way he carries himself. And it still hurts that some people rubbed him the wrong way during the draft process. But he is he's even more than the Browns organization thought he was because he did not care about how bad this situation is. And he's come in here, and he has looked like a stinking rose to this point. Yeah, you're 100% right. I can't you know, argue with anything you said. And just to expand on it, too, he, even more than what I thought, he throws the football. Re- he has better tools than I thought. I mean, he throws the ball really well. He's got great feet. He's not a walk-on that is headsy and tough and, you know, all those things. He is a very, very talented player. 
And speaking of talented players, this Browns D, you know, I mentioned that the the Bronco or the, the Ravens are in that second tier of defenses. This Browns D might not be far from that conversation either. And they have a couple talented young guys. Well, they got a lot of young talented guys. You know, how about Ward? It looked like Peppers had a big game. Of course, Miles Garrett's the superstar, the straw that stirs the drink. Who are some of the defensive players that stood out in a stifling showing against the Ravens? Well, Denzel Ward right now should be in serious consideration for the defensive rookie of the year. Yeah. Uh, the amount of turnovers he's caused, uh, I believe he's up to four, if not five, to this point. And the huge thing was that blocked field goal right before half. They just walked off, and it was just like everybody was like, all right, we're getting ball. And, and it's just in a division. These guys are young, and, and they're growing together, and, and they're feeding off each other, but they trust each other. Like, everyone to the man, like, I know you're going to do what you got to do, so I got to make damn sure hard. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. And even Jamie Collins, now here's a guy, it's week up, week down, plays good, plays bad. He brought a lot of effort today. And you combine that, uh, Emmanuel Ogba was drawing double teams. Here's a guy who's not even played at 100% yet. And you're within the division, they understand the type of player he is. People want to talk about Miles Garrett. They want to talk about Lurie Ogunjobi. They forget about a guy like Emmanuel Ogba, who's another solid part of this defensive front. So they got playmakers up and down. Joe Schobert created another turnover today. Yeah. Up and down, you know, when you have really a couple of players that are really solid in each three phases of your defense, week in, week out, they're going to keep you in games. And you, know, we were a little worried because last week, obviously, you know, Derek Carr kind of took him to task. But I, I think that was more of a John Gruden taking Greg Williams to task. But uh, actually, one other guy I didn't even mention, EJ Gaines, first start here with the Browns today. Terrence Mitchell had been playing lights out as the second cornerback. EJ Gaines came in and filled right in, probably dropped a couple of interceptions, but that's okay. But physical, was hitting, you know, it was committed to tackling. Just a solid, solid effort from these guys. And this Ravens team, as good as they are, and they looked really good last Sunday night in Pittsburgh, they only held them at nine points in almost 70 minutes of football. That's a damn solid effort out of these guys. You mentioned 70 minutes of football. And again, holy smokes, <laughs> is this team playing a lot of football? I, I mean, I just wrote an article for ClaytonFootball.com. The Steelers look like a contender after five games at 500, which is a weird thing to write. You know, after five games, they're at 500, as are the Browns. And four of those five games have gone to overtime, and some of them deep into overtime. And then the field goal to win it was about the ugliest made field goal I've ever seen in my life. You got it. I mean, they're walking a thin line, brother. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, you know, it's, it's great. You know, I mean, you almost want to use like, it's almost got like the cardiac kids feel to it. You know, it's yeah. like a little bit crazy and it's, but I, even that field goal though, the field goal was, uh, it went up and I was just like, Ugh. and you know, we were joking because we already did the uh, post game show. For Lockdown Browns, we were joking. It wouldn't have been good from 37.2. It would have only been good from 37. And look, I mean, good for the kid. Uh, you know, I do think they're going to start trending towards maybe just going for two a little bit more. And you want to know what? When you got Baker, you can do that. Um, you know, to ask this kid to even attempt a you know, plus 50, it's just hard at this point. Look, that may work out. You may find your guy. Somebody, you know, look, uh, you know, Mason Crosby's probably going to be available come Tuesday or Wednesday. But look, the kid gets to be part of this, and you want to—you like the fact that you're doing it with yet another kid. So you look at this, and the majority of this roster, 25, 24, and younger, and there's just so much of it to contribute You know, through these five weeks. It's a lot to be excited about. Yeah, and a lot of kicker woes around the league, particularly today. 
Um, the AFC North to me, except for Graham Gano with a sixty-three hundred real, right? Not bad. <laughs> the AFC North to me looks vastly improved, and the, and the Browns are a great example of that. But so are the Bengals. Um, maybe the best division in the league. If you were to power rank these four teams right now, how would you do it? And are your Brownies a contender to get in the postseason? I'm not saying win the Super Bowl, but do you think they have a legit shot to get to the playoffs? I don't want to go there yet. Yeah. Um, just because, you know, they're young. But the problem is, is there are holes here. Look, we said both tackles, you know, struggle today. God forbid you lose one of those guys, you're down to like nothing after that. And if something were to happen to one of these guys on the defensive line, they don't have a lot of depth. It's great that they have a lot of young players. But this is what happens when you flip a roster 31 players out of 53 through an offseason. You don't have the desired depth that you would like. Look, running back, that's a spot they're okay. If Rashard Higgins is hurt, this is going to be an issue because Baker kind of made him his, his guy. Like They have that rapport. Jarvis gets his calls that he gets, but there's a lot of plays where Baker looks off because he know he's got a good rapport with Higgins, and he knows where he's going to be. So that could be a tough loss. Look, continue this pace, and it's not really about playoffs just yet. It's about developing this young talent, mm-hmm. and the fact that you still have almost $60 million in cap space, and you have draft equity, and you can just continue to add and build. But these guys aren't walking around the city of Cleveland anymore feeling like crap about themselves, which is what they did. I mean, they had a, there was a parade thrown for the fact that they went 0-16. These guys... And I had people in there, and I was getting text messages inside the stadium. These guys were losing it. The fans were losing it. I was getting video and audio. Everybody was into it. The city is pumped right now. And whatever goes on with the Indians, it could be over soon. It's going to be Baker Mayfield's world here. And it's and everyone in the city is so excited to keep competing week in, week out. Five weeks in a row, this Browns team has played from the beginning gun to the final gun. And, you know, most of the time, Browns games, we were turning these puppies off at 2.30. Yeah, yeah I, you're, you're on it, man. I can feel the enthusiasm. I bet they're selling Baker Mayfield jerseys as fast as they can print them. I do wonder, like you said, with the depth, if there's much football as they've played, it might start to take a toll sooner than later. But they are young. They are spry. The future looks extremely bright. Jeff, you got any other nuggets for us before I tell our folks about the wonderful things going on at Vivid Seats? Uh, no, I mean, just look, guys, uh, look, and the coolest thing is it's become a national thing. And like just following, scrolling through Twitter as you know, we get towards that four o'clock window where games are ending and listen to people get pissed off. Oh, I wish you would have switched to the Browns. Like, when did that ever, when did everybody, anybody ever say, oh man, put on the end of the Browns game. Right. You want to see that. Yeah, but I, I think between, I think between Baker, Hard Knocks and all four preseason games being nationally televised. It's a story, and look, everybody loves to see you know the lovable loser finally get their place, and you know it's just a nice wave, and we're all riding it. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And like I said, we are brought to you by Vivid Seats. Jeff, so much, thank you so much for coming on. I'm going to tell these guys about what what I got going over here with the Vivid Seats crew. You all need to check out the Locked On Browns podcast. Jeff, what is your Twitter handle as well? Uh, we'll follow the show uh, at Lockdown Browns. I yeah. keep that a follow back account for all my fans. It's the best way to do it because they can interact. And look, you, sometimes you take some heat in a DM, but who cares? Um, <laughs> go ahead, follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, you know, my, my fans have been fantastic, and my listeners, uh, the subscribers. Obviously, look, once you got your quarterback, and once you start winning a couple of games, 
people are really looking to listen to a team. So I appreciate all the support to all my listeners, guys. Uh, let's keep it coming. And, you know, we're going to put out five, six shows each week, putting out great content. Because, look, better products. Everybody who's covering the Cleveland Browns has got to step up now, even that beat. Absolutely. And uh, a couple weeks from now, Metallica's coming here to Pittsburgh. I'm going. I already got my tickets through Vivid Seats. I used my promo code locked on, all one word. I think my wife and I are going to go see a comedian the next night. Haven't quite locked that up yet with my Vivid Seats subscription, but or my uh, using my Vivid Seats information yet, but that's going to happen. And hey, if you want to go see the Browns, you want to go see the Steelers, you want to go see all this great action around the league, this is exactly what you do, man. Vivid Seats is an online event ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that last a lifetime, like Baker Mayfield. With Vivid Seats, listeners can watch their favorite teams and artists perform in person. Vivid Seats helps fans find their seats in any of their favorite live events, including sports, concerts, theater, and way, way more. Vivid Seats offers great prices and an easy purchasing experience. With the podcast code Locked On, all caps, all one word, listeners receive 20 bucks off all your orders that are 200 or more if they're a first-time customer at Vivid Seats. So go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app, which is extremely easy to use. Enter the promo code Locked On to receive twenty bucks off all your orders for two hundred dollars or more if you are a new customer to Vivid Seats, and of course, all their orders are backed by a hundred percent guarantee. All right, all right, we are back. Like I said, we are going around the league as we do every Sunday night, talking about the biggest stories, talking to, to all of our as many hosts as, as possible. Today, we got John Butchko from the Jets, Locked on Jets podcast. John, what is happening? Huge win for your Jets. You know, a lot of action to talk about. What's going on with you, man? Yeah, I, I think it was a need a win the Jets needed. Uh, yeah. I think whenever you're on a three-game losing streak, things seem a little bleak. Um, and there were plenty of the topics of discussion in New York this week. Off, off a really ugly loss to Jacksonville were about the job security of Todd Bowles. Now, who knows what will happen the rest of the year? Who knows what will happen the end of the year? But it at least takes some of the toxic toxic atmosphere out of play for a week. Oh, I can imagine. And, and Todd was our defensive back coach when I was with the Browns. And I'm absolutely rooting for him. Actually, Chuck Pagano and him were both our defensive back coach. I think he's a real good coach. And, you know, with the, the future of this team, so much cap room, they have a quarterback in place. I mean, there's a lot to get excited about. Um, let's talk about this game, though. Big plays on offense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Robbie Anderson finally making yeah. some noise in 2018. Who has been, you know, kind of an afterthought in the in the Jets' offense. He uh, he kind of had a breakout year last year as a second year guy, undrafted rookie, and the Jets have kind of struggled to find the deep ball this year. So they were able to hit him on a couple long touchdowns. And again, you know, talking about the, what people were discussing in New York this week, there was lots of concern about this Jets passing game, how they weren't taking enough deep shots, how they weren't making enough explosive plays. So I think there will be some size of relief. And I'll tell you, even going back to preseason, it's it felt like. Anderson and Darnold have not been on the same page. So just seeing them connect on a couple of long balls will probably put minds at ease around the Jets. Yeah, I would guess that if before the game I told you one Jets receiver blew up today, you'd want it to have been him. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he's been the guy. He's 
he he was the guy he last year he was their deep threat he was the guy who made explosive plays in the passing game and outside of one play week one against denver he's kind of been invisible aside from you know some negative reasons he had a couple fumbles so at least it seems like he's starting to get things on track yeah no no question i mean it's a it's a certainly a very encouraging sign considering what we saw out of him last year and some of the things off the field that have transpired since. And, you know, I think this is exactly what you want to see from him. They also dominated the game on the ground. I mean, to me, that was probably the biggest story. And Crowell with a long run, but just consistent chunks of yardage from what I saw. I mean, and that was, that's a good Denver run defense. Yeah, I thought they really dominated the game in the trenches. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is an offensive line that's been much maligned. Uh, you mentioned Crowell. I mean, Crowell had – I don't know that Crowell will have, ever have a game like this in his career. He ran for 219 yards on 15 carries. Um, he broke a bunch of long runs. I thought the most impressive run he had, though, there was a third down play where uh, Pecco like, had him in his grasp. And Ian Eagle, who was calling the game, said that Crowell stopped and he just kept going. He somehow broke the tackle and uh, picked up just a cut. It wasn't a big game, but he picked up the first down. Um, then Bilal Powell also. Bilal Powell actually had a 100-yard game, and he lost it because he took a negative carry late in the game when the Jets were trying to <laughs> run, when the Jets were trying to run out the clock and the, the Broncos were selling out against the run. So he finished 20 carries for 99 yards. So he was he was over the century mark, and then he took a loss that, that knocked him under 100 yards. Otherwise, the Jets would have had a pair of 100-yard rushers in this game. Wow. So. And I think, and, you know, I think really that's what this Jets offense is built to do. They want to take pressure off Sam Darnold. They're, this team is built, or at least ideally what they want to do is they want to be able to run the football and leave Darnold, you know, stay ahead of schedule on offense and not put Darnold into difficult situations. Yeah, and from what I saw too, it looked like a lot of controlled short passing, you know, which I think Dar- Darnold operates really well uh, with some shot plays in there and he made some big throws for sure. But I also thought there was some still some inconsistency with him. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that that's true. He was only ten of twenty-two in the game. Now I thought there were a couple passes that hit receivers in the hands. But yeah, I mean, there were some throws he left on the field. But you saw some growth out of him, and I think, especially after coming off two games where he kind of looked lost as a rookie. This will again put some mind at ease, minds at ease in New York that he's not totally overwhelmed. Yeah, oh, I, I think that's 100% true, and I, if I told you before the season this is how Darnold's first five games would go, I think everyone would take it, you know, I mean, considering the supporting cast isn't quite there yet, that's a work in progress. How about this D, though? I mean, it, it looked to me like Leonard Williams, Morris Claiborne came up big. We saw the the insane Marcus May return that got <laughs> at the end of the game, which was kind of funny. Um, Atachu was a guy I really liked with the Chargers, and if he can step up as an edge player for these guys, that would really fill a need too. Absolutely, I think the Jets have been searching for a consistent edge guy since John Abraham. So, and that was I think Abraham last played with the Jets in two thousand five. So it's been <laughs> it's, it's been a spot that the Jets have had it had an issue filling. But yeah, and they were uh, linked Mark- to Khalil Mack. I mean, so they're not just sitting right. on their hands, right? No, you're you're right, and I mean there have been rumors about I don't know whether Jacksonville's going to trade him. I, I kind of I'm inclined to think they're not going to trade him, but there have been rumors about the Jets have reached out about Dante Fowler. Um, so certainly that's a spot they're they're looking. Uh, I think that they're still active. They're still looking for a solution there. But yeah, some of the guys you mentioned, Claiborne, um, 
Claiborne had an excellent game. I mean, he had a, he could have had a couple p- interceptions. He had a number of passes defense, and the Jets needed him to step up in this game because Tremaine Johnson was out. He he was missing this. He missed this game with an injury. But I think for me, the big star on the defense was Leonard Williams, and Williams is a guy who I've always thought is a very good player. The stats haven't always matched how effective he's been. This was a game where the stats absolutely matched out. The, yeah, stats right. finally caught, the stats finally caught up to his level of play. Two and a half sacks. I think it was like three quarterback hits. He was just a guy that Denver could not block. Yeah, and I think he has been an v- extremely good player that's probably a little underrated nationally. And I'm glad that you know, people are finally they're talking about him after this one. And he's, you know, he's still in his prime. I mean, it seems like he's been there forever, but he's you know a foundation piece without question. Um, any other nuggets from the defense that stands out or in general? Because I want to ask you a Broncos question before you go. Yeah, well, I think one of the things that, that was worth noting is that the Jets' uh, defensive coordinator, Casey Rogers, missed this game. Unfortunately, he's dealing with some sort of uh, illness, and Todd Bowles indicated it's a serious illness. So Bowles took back the de- Bowles took the defensive play calling in this game. It was the first he said it was the first time he's called defensive plays since uh, since he was in Arizona. So just something to know. Maybe that may, I think that may have inspired the Jets a little bit today. They were trying to play play for the defensive coordinator. Oh, I didn't realize that. I'm glad you did bring that up because those kinds of things absolutely matter. Which kind of brings me to the Broncos and their head coach. And you talk about somebody I think should be on the hot seat. And as and same with Elway. I mean, Case Keenum's been bad. Does this team, as an outsider watching them today, do they look like a team that's in massive disarray? They do to me. Yeah, and I, I'm going to talk about this on the Monday edition of Locked On Jets. It's just a side note, but man, that is people can play about the Jets coaching. I mean, I I, there, I look at some of the I look at some of the things Denver did in that game. You know, the play I go back to is uh, Ro the, the the first Anderson touchdown against Roby, and I mean, I think one of the reasons Anderson's kind of struggled is that. In a lot of ways, he's not a round. It's not a well-rounded receiver. He's kind of a deep ball specialist. And sure. one thing teams have been doing this year, they've been taking away the deep ball for Anderson. And on a play like that, I mean, I think if you drill it, you'd be drilling into guys all week. Don't sit on the deep ball with Anderson. And Roby kind of uh, was playing the sh- a shorter route, and that's why Anderson blew past him. Uh, I mean, I look back in the fourth quarter of that game. Denver's down 17, and they have a chance to kick a field goal. If you do the math, that gets you to within two scores. That gets you from three to two scores. So that's you know that's a que- that's a move I question, and I understand that you know you could go either way on that. For me, if you have a chance to cut it to three to two scores, you do it. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of areas where I look at the way Denver approached this game, and I, I really am kind of scratching my head. Yeah, I, I don't blame you, uh, John. Can you tell? And everyone, where they can find you. I urge everyone to check out the Locked on Jets podcast, of course. And then I'm going to tell everyone about my bookie. Yeah, um, I, uh, of course, I do host the Locked on Jets podcast on the Locked on Podcast Network. And I also write uh, at SB Nation's Jets site, gangreennation.com. Very, very cool. So I do urge everyone to check that out. I also urge you guys to check out my bookie. I've told you guys about this for quite some time, and I go there every Friday, and I use their lines to pick games straight up and against the spread. Um, I thought this Jets game would be a little closer, I'll be honest with you, and it was an impressive performance. And But I would only recommend this a service to my listeners that's been good to me, and that absolutely applies with my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, which I'm big on. They have over-unders on fantasy points scored, and they have the best player perks in the business. 
This is pretty. This tells you how good of work they're doing, though. My bookie is so slammed with new betters, they want to give everyone the best service possible. So if you're willing to deposit after seven o'clock Eastern, if you're listening to this Sunday night, go do it now. They'll give you an additional twenty-five dollars free on top of any deposit over a hundred bucks, and they match your deposit dollar for dollar to begin with, and then they give you the twenty-five. All you got to do is put is type in the code locked on twenty-five, locked on two five, and that activates the offer. Visit MyBookie online today, that's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E, and don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON. And if you're willing to wait till after 7 o'clock p.m., you get an extra 25 free bucks. So I don't know why you wouldn't do that. You play, you win, you get paid. So we are back. We have our last host, and this one's near and dear to my heart. Folks, I had to do it. I tried to avoid Steeler talk a little bit because you know my biases, and I talk Steelers all the time. So I probably should have had Tony on earlier, but we I had to do it today. So we got Tony Serino, Locked On Steelers host. I'm sure a lot of you Steeler fans out there listen to him. Um, if you don't, you better. What are you doing? And this is going to conclude our three-host podcast. And, Tony, what's shaking, man? What's your initial thoughts? Hey, Matt. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, a great week for you to bring me on because it's been, it's been rough going here yes. in Pittsburgh uh, this season. It has not been the kind of season Steeler fans expected coming into 2018. But this game against the Atlanta Falcons is, I think, what a lot of Steeler fans thought coming into the year. What, what game Steeler games should look like. Uh, James Conner got going early on in this one. I felt like he was a real catalyst in this football game, and the Steelers were able to get a running game going early. Defensively, it wasn't great, but it was better, and, and the Steelers end up in a huge win over the Falcons to really save their season. Yeah, I wanna, I'm going to do this a little differently than I do with most, most of my guests. I'm going to ask you two things. Or I'm going to bring up two topics and then you can take over as the host for a while. <laughs> <So> <laughs> first one for you is I had the Locked On Browns man f- buddy on to start the show. And the last question I asked him was, the Browns also at 500 after five games, which is a weird thing to say. I yeah. asked him to power rank the AFC North right now. And it just dawned on me, he kind of skirted out of that question and didn't do it. How would you rank the AFC North, a division I think is very good right now? I I might have to skirt this question as well. This is tough. tough, yeah. It's so tough. I mean, the Bengals clearly number one right now. Yes. Just just because they they keep winning, even though that game today, uh, it felt like they were going to lose that one early. But, you know, they did a great job coming back and winning that one. Uh, Number two. Okay, so number two. two. (laughs) Right. Number two in the division, it's got – I mean, you could almost say it's a three-way tie between Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and Baltimore. They're, I mean, I guess but Baltimore – Baltimore just beat up on the Steelers, yeah, but they, they, they really lost did. to the Browns. You know, like, it's hard. Yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really tough. It's a wide-open division right now. Uh, and, the, you know, there are no easy wins that are coming for the Steelers, not in the AFC North and not on the rest of their schedule. Uh, you're absolutely right. This is, is going to be a tough division to win this season. Yeah, I think there will be two, maybe three playoff teams from this division – I probably I would put the Bengals first. I would put the Browns last, and obviously a couple hours ago, everyone in the world would put the Ravens ahead of the Steelers. And I guess I still will because yeah. of what we saw just a week ago. But it's a pretty jumbled mess, and it's going to be fun. Steelers' next three games are all division fo- foes. They have a very difficult schedule the rest of the way, 
And the last topic I wanted to bring up, and I'm sure we could talk for hours on this one, I have a feeling. We'll have to cut it kind of short. Is I <laughs> sure. sent a tweet right around halftime today saying, or maybe even even earlier, and something I've been saying on the radio this week on Steeler Nation Radio was this whole disconnect between A.B. and Ben. And a lot of people are using cliches like, they haven't been on the same page. <laughs> That's... Ignoring the obvious to me, like when I've watched, I watched the all 22 tape of every route AB ran this year before this game, and he's as good or better than ever and is abusing really difficult coverage week after week, play after play. And for some reason, seven can't get him the ball. And that changed in the second half. So I'm kind of like going back on my words, but the whole disconnect or not on the same page. One of these guys is to blame, and it's not the superstar receiver. Or was I, I, to blame. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Ben Roethlisberger this year has just been shaky. I mean, there. Yeah, it's it's so weird because early on last year it was the same problem, right? Where Ben Roethlisberger early in 2017 just didn't feel like the same Ben. In fact, you know they had that he had that game against Jacksonville a year ago where he threw five interceptions and he was questioning, you know, do I still have it? All of that after the football after that game now. You know, the second half of 2017 was a much different story for Ben, and he came back, right. and he was the same Ben Roethlisberger again. It was about 20... this time of year where he turned the corner last year. I- exactly, and so you're, yeah. you know, we're all we're all just sitting here waiting for Ben to turn the corner, and maybe this second half was turning the corner. It's just, it's strange. He, Ben, I don't feel like in, in the beginning parts of this season he's seeing the field very well. He's, I think, he's missing open receivers. He's certainly struggling with ball placement when it comes to, like you said, with passes to Antonio Brown for whatever reason. He can't get the ball to A.B., and you're right. A.B. is open a lot of the time, and Ben just can't get him the football. Uh, hopefully the second half, those two, you know, whatever the problem was there, I mean, Ben certainly was better in getting him the football in the second half. Oh, and, for sure. And that's, and that's why the Steelers were able to, to pull away uh, in the second half of this football game. But you're absolutely right. It, ben Roethlisberger early this year has been a problem. He was a problem last week against Baltimore in the second half. Uh, you know, he, he, he has, he has just struggled at times this season. in the first game. He, he turned the ball over. What was it five, five turnovers for yeah, Ben right. in the first game? He's, uh, you know, and this is, but it's, it's almost we par for the course for Ben Roethlisberger. This is something we saw from him a year ago. And so I think every Steeler fan is just taking that wait and see approach and say, okay, you know, let's get through these first six, seven games. And then hopefully Ben turns it on for the second half of the year. The, the problem is defensively. I don't think we can wait for this offense to turn it on. So I'm glad to see this team was able in the second half to really put it together offensively. Yeah, that was very impressive. And I don't know if you know this, but if you Ben's been in the league a long time. So these career numbers aren't like he's a two-year pro. His numbers in September are way worse for his career than they are in October, November, December. And they basically get a little yeah. better as the season goes on. So people shouldn't be shocked by this. And while I think he's been a very poor decision maker and his ability to get A.B. the ball is maddening, as are some other deep throws, he's also done a lot of good things. I mean, it sounds like I'm just killing Ben. He's the whole problem of anything that's gone wrong with his team because he's had some very good play. It just hasn't been yeah. consistent. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been completely inconsistent all year, and you'd never know which Ben you're going to get from drive to drive. He had that one... Uh, today, where he just kind of floated it into the end zone on a third down play, where if the Steel, if he had thrown it out of the back of the end zone, the Steelers kick a field goal at the end of the half. Instead, he floats it, was it up. What are you doing? Yeah, and it just right. you know, it's it's if that was if that was a rookie quarterback, if that was Mason Rudolph, we'd be, you know we'd, we'd kill Mason Rudolph for that. <laughs> right. That was Ben Roth. That was our hall, our future Hall of Fame quarterback doing it. It's just yeah, it just it, you know, it, it is maddening. Absolutely, absolutely. So, anything you want to discuss? I mean, to be very honest, 
I think we have to realize that that Falcons defense is a shell of itself. I mean, yeah. especially with Garrett, Jared out. I mean, it's it's a really rough unit. And Tack got hurt, and Trufant got hurt. So, you know, but they, this, that, that's what you're supposed to do against bad defenses. Right. And the other side of the ball, though, I just didn't see coming at all. I mean, I thought that was an ex- exceptional performance. I don't, I don't know what to think about this Steeler defense because I had, uh, you know, crossover Wednesday last week. I had Aaron Freeman from Locked On Falcons on, and you know, he and I were talking about how this is going to be a high-scoring game. But he did, mm-hmm. he kept warning throughout that podcast. You know, the Falcons on the road, offensively, right. a totally different team. So I wouldn't be surprised if they did struggle in this game. And I kept telling him, "There's no way you haven't seen <laughs> right, that right. You don't know." They're gonna they're gonna put up they're gonna put up thirty easily. So yeah, you're right. I mean, this was this was such a a good defensive performance. They were able to get uh, a quality pass rush at times, even only rushing four. T.J. Watt was a monster out there. Um, they didn't allow the deep ball. I, I thought offensively, Atlanta. I thought they were far more passive than I expected them to be. The Steelers have had yeah. such problems in the secondary communicating, especially when teams are attacking them down the field. And it didn't feel like, and maybe when we watch the All Twenty Two, we'll see that those routes were just covered, but. Didn't feel like Atlanta wanted to press down the field. They were much happier to kind of dink and dunk the Steelers down the field, and that just didn't work. Yeah, and I think there is some truth to that, and Hooper ended up putting up big numbers, as every tight end seems to do against the Steelers nowadays. But a couple notes of my thoughts on that are, first of all, what I've been saying all along with this defense is, I don't expect, I don't know that the back seven can be above average. I mean, if everything works out, they still are going to be average at best, and they've been far from that at this point. But the defensive front can be very good. And that and when in doubt, that's what I want. And you mentioned Watt, and I thought Hayward and Tewitt and the, the yeah. whole front in general really controlled this game to me against a pretty good line. And I think that's part of the reason they couldn't go deep. I mean, Ryan was getting hit. Yeah. Yeah, he certainly was under pressure and under siege all game long, and that was a huge part. You know, I mean, we've, yeah, you're absolutely right about the – the the front seven for the Steelers are really the, the front three. I mean, their defensive line with Tua and Hayward and, and uh, uh, Javon Hargrave. And right. then you add into that if Bud Dupree, you know, Bud Dupree at times this year has looked better, but still not the Bud Dupree that we, we want to see as Steeler fans. But T.J. Watt has been great. You're absolutely right. Those guys, if they can dominate there, that can hide a lot of the problems. And there are problems in the secondary for this football team. You're absolutely right. If they can get pass rush like this, if they can be better this way. And, and Butler did a good job of kind of manufacturing rush at times. He loves to bring Mike Hilton on the blitz from the nickel, and he's and Mike Hilton's fantastic as a nickel blitzer. Yeah. He did that today as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, this this Steeler defense can hide some of its faults, and, and it's, it's going to hide them as well if this offense gets out to such quick starts. Remember, this is the first time the Steelers have scored uh, in their opening drive. I think it's the first time they actually got a first down on their opening drive all season, so that can help defensively as well. Yeah, and one other defensive note that I think we're going to see when, when the all 22 came up and some people at practice were telling me all week, we might see this. And I kind of was like, Hmm, I don't know if that's a good idea or not, but for the first time this year, Joe Hayden shadowed Julio Jones. And by watching on TV, he must've done a heck of a job. And the guys yeah. that were in the press box, a couple of them told me, yeah, it sure looked like Hayden shattered, shadowed Julio. And that might be a new wrinkle to keep an eye on. I mean, the, the AJ Green's next week. Will he do the same thing? Is this going to be a recurring theme? He's been he's probably been their best defensive player so far. 
Yeah, absolutely. Certainly their best player in the secondary by yeah. far. Well, him, him and Mike Hilton together have been pretty good. Uh, yeah, you you know, you have to wonder, given the problems the Steelers have had at, at the other spot at outside corner with the rotation there between Cody Sensabon and Artie Burns. You've seen Cam Sutton play in that spot a little bit. You know, Tomlin doesn't trust any of those players. And so I'm not surprised to see him shadowing Julio Jones. I think it was a great choice because, like you said, he, you know, We'll see on the All-22 just how successful it was, but certainly the results bared out. Julio Jones, I don't think, had a catch in this game until late uh, into the fourth quarter. So, uh, yeah, I would expect to see that happen again next week. In fact, all season long, you know, Hayden should be going up against the big threat because on the other side, the Steelers just don't have a cornerback they can trust right now between Artie Burns and Cody Sensabaugh. Uh, they're still trying to work that out. Yeah, any other things you want to bring up? I mean, special teams were good. Um Penalties were down. I mean, things that have ailed them this year. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this was this was a total team win. I mean, offensively, finally got going. I think the running game, you know, there's been so much talk this year about the running game and, and whether or not the Steelers are throwing too much, especially early in football games. And so much of that's been clouded by the fact that this team has started from behind so often. Right. Of course, they've gone three and out in every game. So that's, And then the offenses have been so, 